Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. today in that I'm going to talk about your favorite subject politics <laughs> if you have a bulletin on the back side there you can take some notes this message is entitled pay or not pay it's found in Mark chapter 12 13 to 17 and I write here, we are moving from days to hours before Jesus is crucified. It's Wednesday of the Passion Week, and Jesus continues to teach a large crowd of supporters as well as his opposition. His opposition is looking for a way, like they always have been, to trap him with his words. And what better way to trap him than to ask a political question? In today's world, if you want to rile rile your family, rile your friends, rile your neighbors, or even rile a total stranger, all you have to do is talk politics. And believe it or not, it was no different in 33 AD. In order to get the crowds to turn on Jesus, the religious leaders asked Jesus a political question. And with this question, their hope is to catch Jesus with his words. And you'll see that in our text. Mark chapter 12, verse 13. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men. Because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin And he asked them, whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. So we're going to look at three things. Actually, we're going to look at four things. We're going to take a look at the teacher's audience. We're going to take a look at the opposition's question. We're going to take a look at the teacher's response. And then we're going to take a look at some practical implications for us. So after Jesus cleared the temple on Monday, he's now wandering through the temple. So it's a humongous area. It's not like a little sanctuary. Humongous area, and he's uh, wandering through the temples, uh, through the temple area teaching. And his audience is made up of, number one, fans. He's got a whole bunch of people that love him. If you remember just a few days earlier, Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey and is worshipped as king, while hundreds of thousands probably cheered him. And the next day he sacked the temple, 
which again brought out thousands of supporters because the things happening at the temple were, as Jesus says, a den of robbers. And so the people were cheated and they cheered Jesus for upsetting that apple cart. But also among his supporters, we have Pharisees. So it said we have fans, we have Pharisees. And we already said this, but everywhere Jesus went, these religious leaders were close behind, always looking for a way to catch him with his words or his actions. And a whole bunch of what we've been studying in Mark, the Pharisees are always looking for a way to knock Jesus down. The Pharisees on this occasion are joined by a very awkward, if you will, alliance. So we've got the fans, we've got the Pharisees, and the third group of people are Herodians. So in our text it says, later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch Jesus with his words. The Pharisees were intensely religious, intensely religious, The Herodians were intensely political. The Pharisees hated the Herodians, who they believed sold their souls to King Herod. That's why they're called Herodians. To King Herod and the law of Rome. The Herodians disregarded the law of God because the law of Rome was more important. So it was the law of God versus the law of Rome concerning the Pharisees and the Herodians. But here... They join together to catch Jesus with his words. And so the opposition's question is pretty simple, but there's a catch. The Pharisees want to get rid of Jesus because of his blasphemy and because of his theology. All right, what he believed about God. In fact, he said he was God. That was blasphemous to them. Well, that was by no means important to Rome. Rome was not going to kill Jesus because of his theology. They didn't even care about that. But Rome would kill Jesus over his political views. If Jesus is going to be condemned by Rome, the best way to do that is go straight to the money. Straight to the taxes. It's going to be tax time. Are you aware of that? I've been working on my taxes, and this week, I could push a button to say continue, and if I push that button to say continue, I would save myself about $2,500. But I knew if I, I knew if I pushed that button to continue, that that would be cheating the government. So I needed to push another button to include this in my taxes, and I pushed that button. And then by pushing that button, it said that I had to pay about $2,200. So then I went back and I pushed the other button, and then I went back and pushed the right button. But there's that, there's that tension, isn't there? I mean, nobody would... Nobody... No human buddy would know that I pushed that button. I would never get audited if I pushed that button. I mean, I mean, knock on wood, I'd never get audited. But that wasn't what it's about. It's about being honest. It's about being 
forthright. It's about being true. It's about being the person God wants you to be when nobody's looking. You know, that, that's, that's the bottom line here. That's the bottom line. The Pharisees also know if Jesus tells the people to pay their taxes, so if he tells them don't pay their taxes, the Herodians are hearing that. If he tells the people to pay their taxes, then the Jews would turn on Jesus because they thought that Jesus came just a few days earlier to overthrow the Romans who they hated. So really it's a win-win for the Pharisees. If Jesus says, pay your taxes, the Jews will get mad. If he says, don't pay your taxes, the Herodians will tattle on him and Rome will arrest him for insurrection. So they set up this trap with their question. But I love the way they address their question. The questions, or the opposition's question, first of all, there's a whole bunch of flattery. There's a whole bunch of flattery. You know, they tell you to use the sandwich, the sandwich treatment when you're, when you're trying to correct someone. Do you know that? Do you know the sandwich treatment? The first piece of bread is, man, you're doing really good. You're doing really good in your job. The meat is, but you could really improve on this. All right? And then the other piece of the sandwich is, and if you do, you'll get a raise. All right? So you've got to be careful how you work with people. And the Pharisees knew this. And so they threw a whole bunch of flattery on them, onto Jesus. Look what, he, look what they say. Teacher. First of all, that's a really important word. It's an honorary word for rabbis. Teacher. And then he sa- they say, we know you are a man of integrity. All right? Jesus has a lot of integrity. We know that you are always truthful. And uh, we, we know that you aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. In fact, we've tried to talk to you a number of times and you've kind of, you know, given us the what for. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. But here's the catch. You teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. So they throw a whole lot of flattery there on that first piece of bread and then they throw in the meat. But here's the question. Pay or not? The opposition's question starts off with some flattery, but then they get down to the basics. Pay or not? And really the Pharisees have already decided Jesus is going to say no. Don't pay. Don't pay. Don't pay taxes to a pagan, ungodly, idolatrous, cheating Rome. Don't pay. The tax that they are talking about here is what's called the poll tax. It's paid by everybody. Everybody pays the poll tax. It was one denarius a year. That was the poll tax. One denarius a year. And you students of the word will know that one denarius is a day's wage. So they were to pay one day's wage a year. That was the poll tax. I remember a long, long time ago, probably in the 70s, uh, I asked my dad, who was a fireman, how much he got paid. And, uh, and most of the time, he would say, none of your business. <laughs> but this time, he said, I get paid $100 a day. I thought, wow. $100? 
dollars a day? I thought that was a big deal, and it was back then. Now you can get $100 a day working at McDonald's. (laughs) You really can. Uh, But this was one day's wage. This was one day's wage. If you were alive and you lived in Rome, you paid this poll tax. But of course, there were a whole bunch of other taxes. And there were a whole bunch of other Jewish taxes as well, according to the law. There was a land tax that the Romans had you pay. There was an import tax the Romans had you pay. If you owned a boat, there was a harbor tax. There were all kinds of other taxes on their livelihood, taxes on taxes upon taxes upon taxes. If you have watched the Chosen video series, it's got the group of disciples that Jesus chooses being friends. And Peter and John are brothers, and Peter and John have to pay taxes, and they show you that the person they have to pay taxes to is Matthew. Matthew in the Bible is a tax collector. I'm not sure if Peter and John, the Bible doesn't really tell us, paid taxes to Matthew, but nonetheless, in this video series, The Chosen, Peter and John pay taxes to Matthew, and Matthew, doing what Rome is telling him to do, totally cheats Peter and John. Totally cheats Peter and John. So they do not like Matthew at all. And pretty soon, Jesus says, Matthew, come follow me. (laughs) And in the video, Peter is like, no way is that guy going to become one of our close-knit groups of people He could not stand Matthew. (coughs) And I think that is interesting. Matthew was a tax collector, and the Jews hated the tax collectors. But Jesus calls a tax collector to be one of his followers. I think that's pretty good. So the question is, do we Jews have to pay these burdensome taxes to this ungodly government? Is it lawful for us to do this according to God's law? Excuse me. And the the, um, the teacher's response then is what we're going to look at next. And it says in verse uh, latter part of verse fifteen. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Jesus knew their hypocrisy. <clears throat> the Pharisees expect a no answer. But because Jesus knows their hypocrisy, and here's the deal. John two twenty five says. Jesus knows the hearts of all men. Jesus knows your heart. Jesus would know my heart if I pushed that button to save me some money. I mean, he would know my heart. Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows the hearts of all men, and therefore he understood their trick. He understood their wickedness. He understood their dishonesty. And I think we're all familiar with this, but the word hypocrisy means the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. So if you say, yeah, I'm a believer, I'm a Christ follower, but your behavior does not conform to that, then you're basically a a, a, a hypocrite. So Jesus knows their hypocrisy, and he says, why are you trying to trap me? 
<coughs> and then he says, bring me a denarius <clears throat> and let me look at it. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus says, bring me a denarius and let me look at it. A denarius was a coin that was used from about 300 AD, I'm sorry, 300 BC to about 300 AD. So it's been around quite a while. And it had the emperor's image on one side of it. So Jesus gets one of these denarius and probably had to get it from a Roman or someone who didn't mind carrying evil money in their pockets. I mean, the Pharisees would have never had one of these in their pockets. So Jesus gets this coin and he asks this question, whose image is on the coin? And in this case, it was probably Tiberius Caesar who was the ruler of that day. And, by the way, incredibly cruel to the Jews. So Jesus asks whose image is on this, and they give a response. Caesar's. Then Jesus said to them, in response to the question, Give to Caesar. Give to Caesar. Give to Caesar. The poll tax is a debt you owe. Rome provides water, roads, protection, entertainment, sewer, government. Sorry about that. You live here, pay your taxes. You live here, pay your taxes. But then he adds, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And of course, this is the better of the two statements, isn't it? Bottom line is you and I and them owe way more to God than we owe to Caesar. What the Pharisees need to understand is that they owe God the courtesy to accept his son. Remember last week, the owner of the vineyard sends his beloved son to the farmers, the farmers of the religious leaders. The beloved son is supposed to be accepted and get the uh, inheritance, get the, get, the, get the crop, get the harvest. And what do the farmers do, the religious leaders from last week? They kill him. <coughs> they kill him. What do we as Christ followers owe Jesus? Well, everything. We owe Jesus everything. Sometimes I, I, I say we give a portion of what God has given to us. God owns everything. It says that in Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. <clears throat> everything belongs to God and we owe him everything. The greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with everything you got. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And then love others the same way. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. I think it's pretty interesting because after he says that, they were amazed at his teaching. 
And they were amazed at him, Scripture says. They were amazed at him. And I'm saying the people were amazed as well as the Pharisees. <clears throat> and I think the Pharisees... Now, now I'm dating you if you know the answer to this question. All right, I'm dating you. The Pharisees said what snidely whiplash always said to Dudley Do-Right. Come on, you people. I know you're older. I I know you're old. I I figured for for sure Neil would know this. Snidely Whiplash would always say this to Dudley Do-Right. Dudley always gets his man. Yes, Dudley always gets his man. <coughs> Curses foiled again. Curses foiled again. All right, I threw that in there because I, I figured <coughs> I figured you know the answer to that. But Dudley Do Right or uh, Snidely Whiplash always said to to Dudley Do Right, "Curses foiled again." And I'm sure that's what the Pharisees said after Jesus answered this question. So, with all that, let's talk about some practical implications. What does this mean for me in 2021? Well, the first answer you already know. Government is an institute of God. Government is an institute of God. This is plainly taught in the New Testament. We won't look at these verses, but you can write them down if you want to. Romans 13, 1 through 7. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 14. <coughs> I'm sorry, man. I don't this doesn't usually happen, but I got a tickle. <coughs> it's very plain from Scripture that Joe Biden is our 46th president because God established it. If God wanted Donald Trump to be our president, he would be. Now, I'm not completely sure that God made the right choice, but that's my own personal opinion. All right? God has ordained civil authority. And I really don't think, and some of you might disagree with this, I really don't think that you can say that the Democrats stole the election. If they did, then I'm going to say God allowed it. So I think for all of us I can say, so get over it. (laughs) Government is an institute of God. The next point is government is not theocratic. Government is not theocratic. In a theocracy, God is the ruler. All right, you know that. A democracy is where the people choose their leaders. A monarchy is where the king is in charge. There's all different kinds of way to govern. But theocracy is where God is the ruler. And the only people who ever had a theocracy were the Jews. Until they decided they didn't want one. And Samuel, we remember, chose King Saul to be the first king of the Jews. But the Jewish people are the only ones that ever had God be the ruler of their world. Now in the millennium, 
We're going to talk about this in our study of Revelation. In the millennium, we will go back to a theocracy where Jesus Christ will rule. It says that in Revelation. We'll get there in our study on Wednesday night. But in between King Saul and Jesus in the millennium, we won't live in a theocracy. So all of that is to say, I can't expect my government to govern in a Christian way. I just can't. I'm happy when they do, and I'll vote for those ideals, but I can't expect it. I can't, my, I can't expect my government, I can't expect the government of the United States <coughs> to govern in a Christian way. So as much as I hate it, I'm not surprised by abortion. As much as I hate it, I'm not surprised by the LGBTQ agenda. I'm not surprised by a whole lot of stuff that our government does, and I'm not going to be too surprised at a whole lot of stuff that they will continue to do. And by the way, I had to look up exactly how you pronounce Kamala Harris. Because I... So I even pronounced it wrong. It's in the in the internet. It says comma. It's like comma. Kamala. 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 Careful now. <coughs> Kamala Harris. But I'll tell you what. I'd rather live here than in China or Russia or Iran or Vicky always. Vicky and I always. Say the ne- the Netherlands. Those, say it, Vicky. Can't say it. <laughs> Those stinking Dutch. Uh, now we, we we lived in Pella, Iowa, and they were it was a Dutch community, and and we had to always hear if you're not Dutch, you're not much. All right. We always had to hear that. So whenever Vicky and I hear uh, anything that uh, says about the Netherlands, we we always say those stinking Dutch. <laughs> But then, <clears throat> some more information here, last, last point. Obey till you can't, understanding the consequences. Obey till you can't, understanding the consequences. So, and oftentimes we're asked this, and we're going to be asked this a whole lot more. So, what if my government asks me to do something the Bible forbids me to do? What, what will I do if the government asks me to do something the Bible forbids, forbids me to do? And I'll tell you from Scripture, what you do is what God tells you to do. That's your number one priority, to do what God tells you to do. And a perfect example of that is found in Acts chapter 5. And I think you're probably <clears throat> familiar with this. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 29... We'll go up to verse 27, if you will. Acts chapter 5, verse 27. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders, they said, not to teach in his name, in this name, in the name of Jesus. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God 
rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. So basically, Paul tell, or Peter tells us, or, or uh, Luke in the book of Acts tells us that Peter said, when asked, you need to stop doing what the Bible tells you to do, Peter says, nope, <clears throat> we're going to do what God tells us to do. So if the government says don't and God says do, or if the government says do and God says don't, you should always obey God. And here's the rough, here's the rub. Take the consequences. And we know that's called persecution. And sometimes it ends in martyrdom. And that's why we really have to study God's word to determine what is truth. So, so far I can't find a verse that allows me to cheat on my taxes. I kind of wish I could. Save me a little bit of money, but I can't. I can't find a verse that says that I ought to steal that Milky Way. Or go faster than the speed limit. Or if I want to touch on some nerves, not wear a mask or not get a vaccine. I can't find a verse. Now, I, I might decide that I can't do that for other reasons, but I personally can't find a verse for that. But maybe you can, and that's the great thing about God's Word is that God allows you to read it and God allows the Holy Spirit to help you interpret what is truth. Maybe you can find a verse for that, but that's, that's between you and God ultimately. So at the bottom of your bulletin it says, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. So here's the scoop. Pay your, pay your taxes. <clears throat> it's going to be time. Obey the laws. Obey the laws. Here's one that those verses that I gave you speak often about. Pray for our leaders. <clears throat> and lastly, give to God what is God's. What's that? Everything. I think it is interesting, and we'll close with this. There's a footnote. Luke 23.1. 23.1. You don't have to turn there. I'll just turn there real quick. 23.1 says this. And from our text today, you can understand that it's a lie. This is when Jesus is before Pilate. The whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate when they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ. That's how they condemned Jesus in front of Pilate and the Roman authorities. They lied by saying that, Hey, this guy said you ought not to pay taxes. Well, we know that he didn't. All right, interesting message today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your word. It is practical. We can argue about politics right now, and they did in 33 AD. We can be discouraged with our government, and the Jews were in 33 AD. But Lord, we're also reminded in Scripture that you're in charge, you are sovereign. And the Bible clearly explains things that we can do as we live in a democracy. And I pray, Lord, that we would take those things serious and obey when we can. And when it goes against God's word, of course, choose to be Christ followers. That's our prayer and that's our desire in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.